0: And welcome to the movie podcast. My name is Daniel, and joining me today for this bonus episode is Shabazz, Hola, and Anthony. Ciao! Oh, oh wow. that was uh, that was fun. It was nice. I like this guy. Two different uh, languages there. Yes. Okay. We'll see if we can keep this energy going throughout. Uh, this is a bonus episode of the movie podcast. Of course, we have new episodes every single Monday across all your favorite podcast services. Uh, what we're doing today? Well, let me tell you what we're doing today. Uh, today, we're talking with Sean O'Connell, who is the author of the release of Snyder Cut book. Uh, he'll be joining us very soon on the show. Uh, but before we get to that, we just wanted to let you know that our schedules will look, uh, be looking a little bit different this week. Um, so we're going to have the Snyder Cut uh, review dropping next week early next week i would i don't know if we could say the exact date it's going to be dropping it so i'm going to be um i'm just going to be a little uh coy about it just, just keep and, your uh, phone just say, in your hand connected to wi-fi for the next yes. few days and, and then, then we're just going to airdrop the review to you you know ah. yeah just make sure you're following us across our social media channels instagram and twitter that's where you are going to see as soon as we could talk about the movie uh do we have it i don't know i can't tell you but a review will be up very very soon Um, also South by Southwest is happening next week or this week whenever you're listening to this episode Um, so that's where we're going to be having a bunch of different reviews coming out of there as well too Um, and then of course Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to be coming out so our review of that will be going live on Thursday afternoon so a lot of different changes this week but don't worry we'll we'll be coming back with lots of brand new episodes every single Monday Uh, I believe that March 22nd I want to say will be our next episode together yes it is and we're going to We talk about Oscar nominations and anything crazy that has happened between now and then. We shall see. Uh, But before then, let's get into our interview with Sean O'Connell. Welcome back to the movie podcast. Zack Snyder's Justice League is releasing in just one week across the world. Joining us now is the author of Release the Snyder Cut, the crazy true story behind the fight that saved Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is available in bookstores and digital storefronts now. Please welcome to the show, Sean O'Connell. Hi, guys.
1: Thanks for having me, Sean. Hey, Sean. Thanks so much for joining us. Of course, man. Good to be with all of you. (laughs)
0: Now, Sean, again, congrats on all the success of the book. Uh, I feel like it's taking up all of our feeds for the last couple of weeks, which is amazing to see. Um, and thanks for joining us. And we know you're busy as well too, with managing Cinema Blend and co-hosting Real Blend. So uh, we know you're busy, man. So thank you for taking the time today.
1: No, I, I apologize for clogging up your feeds. Um, I am a <laughs> relentless promoter, and uh, unfortunately, like this is the white hot center, you know, of having a book like this coming out. So I'm okay being annoying for a month because I know that like once the movie's out and it's its thing, you know, I'll, I'll disappear back into, uh, into nothingness. So no, no, they'll, they'll always do more Snyder. <laughs> true, yeah, very true. Very true.
2: So of course, Sean, things have been a little different for everyone in the last year. Now, before we get into the book, I just want to ask, like, how are you doing? How has it been with this pandemic? Has it impacted your work at all?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's been a little bit heartbreaking to see the film industry be affected oh, yeah, yeah. so drastically. And, you know, the the I was in a steady rhythm of, you know, movie screenings every week two you know, one to two movie screenings of whatever new release was coming. And so, you know, I, I, I've been lucky enough in my area that I've been able to go back to a theater once or twice over the course of this under really safe. Um, measurements, and I'm actually trying to go back uh, somewhat recently to go see uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. I want to see that on the big screen. Um, but thankfully, Cinema Blend, the website we run, was able to pivot pretty hard to um, streaming services and really, you know, to cover the amount of news that was surrounding, like all of the delays and what was happening with the big movies that we've been anticipating. So we've stayed as busy as ever, which has been really good. I just miss people. I just miss being able to hang out and socialize and. You know I hate that this is the new normal, you know that like we're used to this, yeah, that is
0: yeah I mean I mean here with us too it's it's been the same uh same scenario we're in Canada uh we had i think the last time we were all in theaters was for tenant in august August last year or late August, and then you know after that everything closed down, so here we are, <laughs> waiting for them to open up again.
1: I feel like we're turning a corner. You know, it does feel like we're getting closer to everybody being able to save the congregate back again. And there's some big titles that are holding on to their dates. Black Widow, mm. you know, in May, um, Quiet Place moved up to Memorial Day weekend. That's optimistic. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully everything starts, you know, everything stays on the path that it's on and, and we're all back to theater soon. Sean, in your book, you mentioned that the sheer coincidence of timing between Your job and the opportunity to visit Zack Snyder on set of Army of the Dead helped you write this book. I wanted to know why you believe this was a story worth investigating and writing a whole book about. Oh my God, it's a phenomenal story. Um, From almost any angle that you take it, it's a phenomenal story. Uh, You know, the part that interested me the most inherently when I first started down this road was the film industry side of it, which was... Um, a Justice League film that was coming, you know, a live action anticipated Justice League movie uh, that the director had to walk away from. Like that first and foremost is a bombshell of just like, that doesn't happen. Then that director gets replaced by the guy who was at the time, you know, making huge movies for the competition. That's a bombshell, you know. Uh, You just check off the list. Wow, that's major. Um, And then the studio deceiving the fans to say that like, no, he's just going to complete his vision. And then it turns out that he didn't at all, you know, he reworked it. That's a huge story. So I kind of thought that the story was that, you know, it was like, here's what happened to Justice League. And here's why it happened sort of thing. Um, But it was as I got to know the people in the movement and really start to report on the reasons why they were fighting as hard as they were uh, for this, for, for the past three years to make this come out. That's when I started to get to the emotional side of it. And the The personal side of it, and that really moved me in a big way, and that's what I thought gravitated it beyond um, a feature, you know, to to be book worthy. Um, And I and I hope that I hope that I proved it over the course of you know writing the book that that it is worthy of, of that book being told. But um, yeah, it's it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. I use the word unprecedented a lot to talk about it, and I don't think that that's an exaggeration. I think this is unlike anything we've seen before. It's true. Uh, just a follow up question um did you have any of uh like crazy discoveries while writing sure um you know you you think you hear the full story of everything that happened behind the scenes on justice league um but and even still even since the time I turned the book in more and more stuff comes out you know um i knew a little bit about the joss accusations but didn't know nearly as much as we kind of know now um and a lot of that stuff is so very much uh he said they said kind of thing and i'm not quite sure if we will ever know the full story behind that um so it's tough to report on um and even just the amount of the reshoots like it's interesting like the book kind of ends because i had to turn the book in last july july of 2020. Because the publishing process takes such a long time. The layout, the editing process, the design, all of this stuff has to be built in. And so I turned it in in July, which was after he announced that the cut was coming. But before uh, Justice Con, which the Nerd Queens put on with Meg, uh, before DC Fandom, uh, and before all the footage and the, the additional photography and the reshoots. So we're just now getting a clear picture of how different his Snyder Cut you know, is going to be. Versus theatrical. And we're, we're going to be analyzing that for years to come, you know, <laughs> like how many times are you going to pop in that monstrosity from 2017 and make comparisons to, you know, to, to what we got, what we ended up getting. And uh, it's going to be a fascinating case study for years to come.
2: I honestly think on iTunes, I'm going to go ahead and hide the 2017 version
1: <laughs> and just keep the 4K Zack Snyder's Justice League. Do you know, I understand that. Um, and I didn't feel that way. I, I really did believe that, you know, just from a completist point of view, you have to acknowledge kind of what happened, right? Yeah. But let's say, theoretically, I have seen the just the Snyder Cut. Um, it's so different, you know, that, it, that that other version honestly doesn't deserve to exist in any way, shape, <laughs> or form. Um, it's such a blemish. <laughs> And oh, yeah. that um, I don't even want to I'm with you. I don't even want to hold on to it for for posterity's sake. Um, One
0: one of the things that, you know, we were discussing already with you, and I think something that's been so true throughout the whole campaign for the Snyder Cut is just the past, the passionate fan base. And you discuss that a lot in your book, of course, Um, you know. Fan bases and fandoms aren't new across the entertainment industry. And, you know, all of us here on the show, obviously, we have shows and websites where we talk about movies at length. Uh, What do you think it is about the DCEU or specifically the Snyder Cut fandom that sets itself apart from the others
1: and, you know, actually got this movie made? Uh, Their ability to stay organized, um, you know, for the better part of three years. Almost every other fan base that you point at, they lose interest. You know, the, the, they can stay passionate for a short amount of time, um, but unless they have people who are organizing them and campaigning them and, and pushing them forward, which the Snyder Cut movement had multiple times, you know, at different at different moments, I'll use it as an example. Um, there was a pretty fervent push for, for two projects somewhat recently. Uh, one was a sequel to *Elite: A Battle Angel*. And I don't doubt that those folks still exist and probably still would love to see it. But once they kind of realized that something might not happen right away, there's still a, you know, a, a couple of people who are out there fighting for it, but there wasn't the groundswell of push the way that the Snyder Cut saw. The same almost goes true for the Air Cut, the David Air Cut. You know, there's a strong push out there for it, but it's nowhere near paralleled to what the Snyder Cut saw. And I think a big portion of that boils down to Zach's support uh behind the movement, the way that Zach encouraged the movement to keep to keep going. Um David Ayer will every once in a while pitch in, you know, and share a little bit of something, but not not to the consistency that Zach did Zach did. Um Zach is a master, master marketer. Um he knows what strings to pull and he knows how to uh, motivate his fan base. Um and he believes uh, he believes in their cause. He 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 knows that he had a better cut. So that is a huge thing that makes the Snyder Cut stand out. But the Snyder Cut also deserves a ton of credit for being really, really creative in terms of the ideas and the campaigns that they came up with uh, to raise awareness. Because there's a lot of things you can do that end up becoming shouting into a void that doesn't make an impact. But these guys came up with you know, really creative, front-facing ideas that got the attention of the industry. It got the attention of the studio and really changed their minds, and I think they deserve a ton of credit for doing that.
0: I think I think what you said too holds so true. With like Zach, especially on Vero, you know, every like even before anything was announced, just like those little teases that he would do, like the shot of like the film canisters, like just those moments because you could tell that he has such a passion for uh, for the movie that he made. And I, I'm just again, it's still there's this disbelief. I think even you know that it's coming out next week and people are going to be able to see it. And actually
1: like, it just, it feels so surreal still. Well, I'll tell you also too. And I I think that they kind of lucked into this um, without even realizing it. They gave themselves the greatest marketing slogan in movie fandom history. And I'm wearing it on my shirt. Like it was an accident, you know, (laughs) release the Snyder cut. It, It is a mantra, you know, it is a, it is a, campaign to, to arms kind of thing. And it's, it says a lot about it to the amount of other fan bases that have just copied it to that point. And they will never have the impact that the Snyder Cut had uh, because they were the first ones there. They're pioneers. They're pioneers. And they, they wrote the playbook on how to do this. But that doesn't mean that every fan base can just plug in and make it happen. There's too many other things that have to sort of break your way uh, in order to pull this off. And um, that's, that's exactly why I use the word unprecedented talk about them. Yeah, it's very true. Now, when you started writing this book, you you had no idea
2: and neither did we that we'd actually officially see Zack Snyder's Justice League and let alone have a book released weeks from it. Now, what do you want people to take away from this
1: book? Um, I want people to have a better understanding of the movement because I still feel like it, it's changing. The tide is changing, but the drive-by summary on the Snyder Cut movement is, you know, toxic, uh, overly passionate people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I d- I just don't think that's accurate. You know, I think that that is um, a minority of the, of the fan base, you know, there's enough of it that you can't overlook it, that aspect of it. But, but I think most of the people who are doing that sort of drive by analysis Have never stopped to actually talk to people in the movement, you know, and get a sense of who they are and why they're doing this. And some of the feedback that I've heard from on the book since it's out that has really moved me is, boy, I had no clue about the emotional uh, component of this story. I had no clue of how important all this stuff was to the people in the Steiner cut movement. And so, one of the things I've been trying to say is that. The story, this story, yes, it's very much about DC and it's very much about Zack Snyder and it's very much about his specific films. But if you take one step back, it's a story of fandom and it's a story of, you know, put yourself in the shoes of these people, whatever your thing is, you know, try to imagine it from that point of view, you know, that you looked forward to something that was highly anticipated and then behind the scenes, it got not just tinkered with, but like devastated. You know, would you be motivated to to push for it? Would you be motivated to fight? And um and so I hope that that's what people take away. I hope that people don't just go with the the shallow sort of surface, like oh Snyder cut those lunatics, because you are a bunch of lunatics. Don't get me wrong, but in an incredibly great way, you know. And I want people to see the positive side of what of what comes of it. And I want people to almost identify with it. I want people to put themselves in the shoes of that fandom. And say, like, yeah, that's kind of me. I I do sort of understand that. And just stop for a minute. Don't just do the the social media brush off. You know, get to know the movement. And I hope the book does that for people. Yeah, when I was when I was giving it a read, I
2: in in some interesting ways, you really humanize these people that get so much hate. And really I saw that. A lot of this is so much just about mental health. A lot of these people that you, you were writing about, they're coming off of, you know, debts in their own family, and they related to Zach so much that it was such an emotional journey reading this. It wasn't just people like, no, I want my DC superheroes. They were like, no, this is about a man who had a vision. He was he went through something horrible, just like we have. He deserves his justice. And I, I,
1: I thought that was really beautiful. One of the things that, that Zach does, I think, that allowed me to even take that angle is that he opens himself up to his fan base more than most other filmmakers do. Mm-hmm. Um, he is accessible through his social media channels. He does use Vero to communicate with the people. Um, there's an example, I think I wrote it in the book, where someone said, like, I'm losing hope. You know, I, I, I want to give up. And he replied, don't. You know, like, he was there almost every step of the way to keep the fan base moving. And if he, if he didn't, do that if, if he wasn't doing that I wouldn't have connected with that aspect of the story and I wouldn't have conveyed it and put it in the book so true what do you think the studios will learn from the Snyder Cut movement <laughs> nothing <laughs> absolutely nothing um the, st- the studios are ego driven uh machines and they are money driven machines um they will they still I honestly believe deep down in their hearts uh believe that they made the right decision. But what's been really encouraging in the run-up to this release is that I've been hearing from a lot of press members who've been able to see the Snyder Cut saying, um, and, and in my opinion, I, I had prepared myself for a lot of media members to just make a snap judgment and dismiss this as, oh, it's the same movie. Oh, this was a waste of time. Oh, this was a waste of money. And they would almost support you know, the, the, uh, opinion of the studio. In fact, I'm hearing the exact opposite. I've heard from, from hundred percent of the people who have reached out to me. That doesn't mean it's everybody because maybe the people who don't feel this way didn't reach out to me, but a hundred percent of the people who've reached out to me have said, Oh damn, this is, this is so much better. <laughs> and I've actually had people come out to me and say, they should have waited, you know, they should have pushed the release date back and mm-hmm. let him finish this because this is, that's a mistake. And so what do I think the studio is going to learn from it? Not much. It's not like they're going to start listening to their directors. I hope that they uh, have the courage and the fortitude to stick with the director whose vision might not necessarily like, I understand the BVS wasn't making the same kind of money that the Marvel movies were making at that time, but they're still making money. You know, it's not like they were going broke on this (laughs) and trust the director that you hired, trust him to complete his vision. The introduction of the streaming services is a game changer. You know, it allows storytellers to do different things. So Warner Brothers doesn't have to invest in a theatrical release that could be very expensive. The streaming services can break it up into a longer form sort of dramatic series and maybe go that route. Things are so different now in 2021 than they were in 2016, 2017. And so I hope that the studios figure out how to be a little bit more flexible. But I don't see a lot of other directors... Uh, having the ability to, you know, if and when they get burned by the studio, because their creatives are still largely the underdog in this story. The studios are still the top dog. I don't, see, I don't see filmmakers being able to be like, I want my actual cut released, rally behind me. Um, Zach just has a passionate fan base, you know, and they were willing to, to give three years of their, of their life, their time and their money and their energy and, and, and uh, to fight for him. I don't know how many other filmmakers have that. Yeah, that's true. I know you
2: get to visit the set as well when they were making the film. What was that experience like? It was mind blowing.
1: <laughs> I mean, everything about it was mind blowing because just to get that invitation to go to that set um, was so surreal. It was it was a highly anticipated film at that time. You know, like he's coming off of BVS. Uh, it's the first time all these characters are together on screen for the first time and everyone was curious what he was doing. Um, so we went to London, and they took us around the set, and we got to see everything. I met um, Patrick Totopoulos, the production designer. We met with Michael Wilkinson, the costume designer. We watched them film um, the scene that you guys will get to see in the Snyder Cut, which is on the rooftop of the Gotham Police Department with Commissioner Gordon, and he's meeting up with, uh, we saw Ben in costume, we saw Gal in costume, uh, Ezra in costume, Ray was in his uh, tights that were standing in for his uh, his cyborg suit later, um, met with Zach and Debbie and they walked us through the entire storyboard and all of it was phenomenal. And it was, uh, it was interesting at the time because Zach was really sharing his vision and he was saying, which I thought was important to take away that yes, BVS was darker and a little more serious, you know, than, than audiences anticipated, but that for that film, he needed his he needed his protagonists to be uh, at each other. You know, it needed to be a clash. But that for Justice League, he was already planning it to be more of a we're putting the team together, let's figure out how to work together, um, and that the um, attitudes being brought to the team through Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller um, were going to not not turn it into Marvel quippy you know sarcasm but a lighter sense of what you got in in bvs and he was at least heading in that direction um and it's just again unfortunate that the studio didn't back him and let him let him complete it
0: for sure um again like as as you are like i think we're so excited for everybody to actually get to see it um just a little tease of what you're working on next i know you're working on a spider-man book
1: as well too is there anything you could tell us about that now oh sure absolutely um spider-man's my guy Like, Spider-Man is my all-time favorite character. Uh, Everything about him is just phenomenal. And um, I never, honestly, guys, between us, I never thought I would write a book about anything. uh, I'm used to writing for the web. I'm used to writing, you know, I got a 500-word count, and I'm going to just get to 500 words (laughs) and publish it kind of thing. Um, So I never thought I would have a story that was big enough to, to put together into a book. And the Snyder Cut one caught my eye. Uh, and, you know, brewed in the back of my head for weeks and months and then became the book that it, that it became. And it, it grew, the story grew as I paid attention to it. So once I finished it, I honestly had like the itch of just like, oh, I really enjoyed having a book to work on, you know, in my downtime kind of thing. And I, I would ask myself like, okay, what, what would I want to work on next? And my immediate thought became like, I want to, I want to do something with the Spider-Man films, but what could I do? Like, what's interesting enough to kind of write about? And I came to the conclusion that during this, you know, I think the past 20 years have essentially been the golden age of, of comic book movies. You know, it's, uh, I think it's going to continue for a long period of time. I wonder how it's going to continue, but we've really seen the, the genre grow and evolve and mature into something that's been truly remarkable thanks to a lot of different contributions. Um, but I think that Spider Man could arguably be the most popular and influential um, character during this time period. And when you point to him being an Oscar winner for Into the Spider-Verse, being part of the highest grossing film of all time in Endgame... Uh, carrying far from home to over a billion dollars, being one of the only characters that transcends two major studios, you know, and two universes, to have a, a Spider-Man universe that's being developed at Sony that he's not even part of. We have a Venom movie and a Morbius movie and a potential Kraven the Hunter movie, and all the stuff that he, he's not even in. Um, I just I want to trace the path of figuring out how he got to that level and really talk to people behind the scenes at like. What happened on the Raimi films? What happened on the Mark Webb films? What happened with him going to the MCU? And just get some of the more interesting stories uh, from his history. So it's good because the Snyder Cut story was really like, um, I was riding a freight train, you know, as this thing was was racing towards a finish line that I didn't even know existed. Um, With the Spider-Man book, I get to sit back, research, watch the hell out of those movies, (laughs) find interesting stories, uh, and then hopefully just talk to as many people as I can about them.
0: I think what's really interesting with Spider-Man as well is that, you know, we, ha- we got so much news that came out of those Sony leaks that happened a few years ago, too. Um, and then circumstance of like today, today's like the five year anniversary of when we actually saw Spidey enter the MCU in that Civil War trailer as well. So it's just funny how the timing works. I can't believe it's been
1: five years already. It's fun to see, too. Like, if you just drill down into the Sony films, the two Mark Webb films, like, Sony was a perfect example, and I touch on this a little bit in the book about DC about how difficult it is to build a cinematic universe. You know, it's Sony's, Sony tried to do it just in Amazing Spider Man 2. They were like, Rhino, uh, Green Goblin. (laughs) crazy guy with a trench coat you know like they were throwing everything they could against the wall and uh and i really want to figure out from everybody like what did you guys think you were doing (laughs) did you not realize how to do this because there are a lot of fans who adore andrew garfield uh and really think he got shortchanged not nearly to the extent that zach did but they're like spider-man fans feel like they got robbed out of you know amazing spider-man three and four and a sinister six movie that drew goddard was going to do uh there is there is wasted potential you know in that franchise as well too that fans are really angry about and so i I maybe i'm the guy who just airs grievances for for comic book <laughs> fan bases but it's a pretty good niche to have i guess
0: yeah, no doubt. And we're, we're, we can't wait to see that again. Sean, thank you so much for joining us on the movie podcast today. Uh, we're so excited for people to finally watch Jack Snyder's original vision you know, come to fruition and then dive deep into your book to learn all about how it happened. Uh, Release the Snyder Cut is available in bookstores now and digital storefronts. But before we go, Sean, please tell our listeners where they can connect with you and see all the amazing work that you're doing.
1: Oh, um, Cinema Blend on a daily basis. Please come to my website, Cinema Blend. We're running really great content over there. I'm a part of a podcast called The Real Blend Podcast. I do it with two of my friends, uh, and I'm on social media at Sean underscore O'Connell. Uh, and then the book has its own Twitter account, RTSC Book. You can follow me on on either of those guys. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Great questions.
0: Thank you so much again, Sean, for joining us on the movie podcast. Of course, we have brand new episodes every single Monday across all your favorite podcast services. We have lots of reviews always going up on the feed as well, too. We have lots of South by Southwest coverage and Falcon and the Winter Soldier coverage and the Snyder Cut review coming. So make sure you're tuned in here because the movie podcast is the best place to be. Of course, uh, you can follow us on social media across Instagram and Twitter at the movie podcast. And don't forget, we are on a mission to hit 200 ratings on Apple Podcasts. So we're going to continue our journey, but until then, that was this time with the movie podcast. And we'll see you next.